1: You know, these short story collections are just cobbled around some bullshit theme. It's like they're all coming of age <laughs> um, stories or they're all whatever the fuck. And it's nonsense. And- I'm Alex Higley. And I'm Lindsay Hunter. And, and I'm, I'm a writer. writer but-
0: Welcome to I'm a Writer, but today we have Chris Stuck. Chris earned an MFA from George Mason University. He's twice been a fiction fellow at the Fine Arts Work Center in Provincetown, Massachusetts, a Callaloo Writers Workshop Fiction Fellow, and a 2019 Oregon Literary Arts Fiction Fellow. His stories have been published or are forthcoming in American Literary Review, Bennington Review, Kajibi, is that right? Kajibi? Yeah, yeah, I believe so.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Callaloo, Meridian. Natural Bridge and Story Quarterly. Give My Love to the Savages is his first book. Welcome, Chris. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I've been listening to your book on Audible, and um, I forgot the name of the man who reads it, but he's so good. And your stories are so alive. And I'm just so happy that you're here with us.
2: Thanks. Thanks.
0: What are you going to read to us? Um, I was going to read
2: a story called This Is a Music. Yeah. um it's the beginning uh it's in second person um some people think that's hacky i guess the second person but it works hell no, so, I, love yeah, no yeah. I love that yeah yeah so um yeah this is a music you are an asshole remember that when you meet billy at the bar she's in a booth in the back a beer sits across from her Every few seconds, she looks for you over her shoulder and then turns back around. You're so late, you could just go home to your wife and let Billy think you're a no-show. You are a known asshole. Another person thinking so won't be the worst thing in the world. Yet, here you stand in the bar doorway thinking, this is Billy. You have history. She already knows you're an asshole. You might as well just walk over to her about time dicko she says you are a dick so distract her say black girl don't you know it's bad luck to sit with your back to the door shut up sit down she fires up a fresh smoke i've been waiting so long i'm drunk already of course you are you say you drink too much so so stop your grape and i'm here now you can get drunk all over again don't worry she will Billy is an everlasting tomboy, though you won't admit it, it's always turned you on. She lifts weights, heavy ones. She fixes old cars. She drives a truck down at the quarry. Once she was even voted runner-up for Women's Arm Wrestler of the Year by the American Arm Sport Association. She nearly won the world championship, too, but she was defeated by a six-foot-five woman who many thought was on more steroids than a horse. Billy's toughness has been obvious to everyone since you were kids, it was even obvious to you, so much so that to this day, you're pretty sure she can still whoop your ass. Where the hell were you? Remember, you're an asshole. Answer accordingly. Say, I was home. Unlike you and everyone else in this bar, I actually have a life, dreams, aspirations. Her tank top is stretched over her breast like the skin of a drum. Try not to look at it. Instead, watch her make a fist out of one of her big hands and wave it at you. Your dreams and aspirations will only get you hurt, Black boy. She's probably right, but don't say so. Say, as usual, Black girl knows nothing of what she speaks. Black girl has never been anywhere. She mimics you. Black girl knows nothing of what she speaks. She waves her thick middle finger now. How come you always sound like you're talking backward? College, you say. It does that to you. Hmm, she grunts. Lucky I never went. You are at the weigh station. Not the actual weigh station out on Highway 13 where vehicular weights are inspected, but the bar called the weigh station. It's a trucker bar. Yes, you hate it. It's the kind of theme bar you find only in towns like Rock City, your hometown, population just over 1,000. No one but you can see the humor in having city in the name of a place so microscopic. Barely anyone in the state has even heard of it. When you went off to college eons ago, you told your two white roommates that you were from Rock City, and they thought you were talking black. They thought you were referring to some East Coast drug-infested metropolis. They said, is that Baltimore or New York City? And you said, no, it's Rock City, as in Missouri, the state we are presently in. They nodded at each other. They could already tell you were an asshole, but at least you wouldn't steal their IBMs. Never mind that. Marvel at the kitsch of the way station. Yes, it looks like a junkyard that's been awarded a liquor license. Rusty manifolds, carburetors, and transmissions hang by thick wire from the ceiling. The bar stools and tables are made out of old truck wheels, and there's an actual Peterbilt dumper parked on the roof. It spews exhaust out of the side pipes when the place is open. Now check out the crowd. You grew up with everyone here, by the way. You know all their nicknames. There's Brillo and Fish and Bait, Wrinkles and Giggles and Herman the German because he's, well, German. They're playing foosball in the far corner as though the game is being televised. The, junk, the jukebox, that crusty thing that still plays actual 45s, has the entire Kenny Rogers catalog. And wouldn't you know it, the gambler is playing right now. There's a lot of flannel, a lot of chains hanging from wallets, a lot of scar-toed work boots. An old guy named Racist Randy, who actually used to be your high school shop teacher, is even sitting at the bar wearing green hip waders. It's your worst nightmare. Everyone smokes, everyone drinks, and every last one of them, including you, to your utter dismay, drives a truck down at the quarry, hauling rock and gravel out of a big hole in the ground.
1: Thank you, Chris. Um, as uh, I was texting, usually you know, while we're reading these books for the for the show, Lindsay and I will be texting back and forth with some thoughts. And the thing I kept texting to her this week was, I I love how varied this collection is, and that story to story, you're just surprised as a reader, and it's it's one of my favorite types of story collections. and that, you know, going in, you may have some sense of what what the unifying thread is going to be between stories or anything. And then to have your expectations just completely exploded is, is so exciting. It's one of my favorite experiences as a reader. And and this collection has that all over the place. Um, I wanted to know how this group of stories came to be the collection. And if you think of the collection as varied it, or, or is there something that, um, Or do you think of it differently than that? Is is there something that unifies these stories that maybe I'm not seeing initially?
2: Um, Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, No, that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted a varied collection. I didn't want um, to kind of just do the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Basically, the stories, uh, probably are reaction to other stories or novel ideas that just didn't work out and, um, and I was always trying to find something different or something I've never seen before. Um, so that's basically what I was going for with all everything, you know, I mean, even, uh, you know, there's a few stories in there. I can't believe God made it in there that my editor was cool with. So like the, the penis, the, 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 penis pe- story. the penis story, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And she, I had that, I had that story like buried in the middle of the book because I figured, uh, you know, I gotta have some warm-up stories before people get to that story. <laughs> and she moved into the second second story, I which I was very surprised by. But um, yeah, I mean I just want to, you know, I'm always trying to um, just write something different. I mean, I get bored very easily and mm-hmm. I've been at this for a long time, you know. So um you know, I mean, maybe that's one thing we could talk about, too, is just how long it took me to, to get yeah. to this point. Because, yeah. I mean, I started my MFA program in like the last century, essentially. So <laughs> so uh, it's been a long time, you know, and even before that, I was into writing. You know, I was like a total best American short story fiend when yeah. like in like late high school and stuff. So, um, yeah, but I mean, as far as these stories, it was just. I was trying to write something especially for black writing um write something different and which I don't know is I mean something sometimes I wonder if that's something if I shoot myself in the foot sometimes but because I'm kind of so different from a lot of other black writing that I don't know if I can be fit fit certain expectations maybe but um
0: that I, is I just such gotta a, go that is such a uh, like a I mean, I, under, I totally understand where you're coming from in terms of like believing that there are expectations on a certain kind of writing and then really worrying that, well, shit, I'm, I don't fit into this. So, so therefore, you know, and then your mind just starts spinning. I, I you right. know, I, I totally, it, it's such, it's such a bewildering and um, unfair thing to do to yourself, I would say, but it's inevitable, you know, like it's, it's. You know, I, you read a ton, and so you know what's out there, and and then trying to think where your thing fits in, you know, it can it can be daunting.
1: It's also know, so clear that that's that you are that kind of uh, that reader and writer, Chris. I mean, I think the title story. When I started reading the title story, I was like, okay, I think I've read a story like this before, and then that first story does it just it pushes so much further than you're expecting as a reader and and really it's much stranger than you're expecting in that initial opening paragraph in a way that I just found stunning I mean there's a but the specificity late in the third I'm mean, late in the late, late the the last third of that story is I think just like I knew that this collection was going to be different even before I finished that first story because like It's clearly written by a writer who loves short stories and has an appreciation for a certain type of sentence making, a certain type of American speech. Mm -hmm. Um, I I thought of one of my, honestly, one of my favorite writers, I thought of Brad Watson reading this collection because of Mm -hmm. story to story, just how varied it was. But also it's American in that there's cities from all over the country here. There's all sorts of kinds of people. It's obviously steeped in a tradition of, of of black writing but to me it's like this is like steeped in in just american short story writing i'm, I'm going on and on but i really love i really <laughs> love this
2: book my friend i appreciate that i mean that's i mean i'm glad you're i'm glad i'm so happy when people say say back say to me exactly what i was thinking because like um i wanted to be it to be about a very american book you know and um so many you know i grew up reading you know even all the way back to like dubliners obviously and like uh collections that were about a place or like lost in the city by edward jones and stuff mm-hmm. yeah. but i didn't want to just do one place and um when i was younger i wanted to but um it never really worked out and then uh but you know as i got older i traveled and i lived in a bunch of different parts of the country i, I realized i wanted to it to be about America, you know? So, um, and have that be the, the, uh, I mean, even down to the cruise, I mean, that's my, I have family members that go on cruises, which seems like a huge, I mean, I know people in other places go on cruises, but it seems like a very American thing to me. So, uh, or like a Mexican vacation too, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I appreciate that. I mean, I, uh, yeah i mean i've been reading story i was always more of a story person anyway mm-hmm. and uh i know i told you guys you all i got a uh, you know a novel out there and everything mm-hmm. and um but how his stories have always been my thing you know what i mean and mm-hmm. um yeah so that's how i'm glad you glad you pick up on all of that
1: <laughs> what were some of the were there collections that you kind of had as as lodestars in in putting together "Give My Love to the Savages," or were there were there you know writers you were thinking about as you were as you were putting this together with your editor? Yeah, um,
2: definitely. I mean, I kind of have models for like even all these stories a little bit, and then I always look for models just so as, a, as a starting point, and then I just veer off you know at some point i give myself permission to just like go the other way or go make it my own you know like even that penis story i was like i know someone's probably written a story like this maybe right. i don't know but i'm like i figured i'm going to put my own spin on it no matter what so who cares but um uh i really like i don't write like like most of the writers that i probably look at as models but like ed jones edward jones um Mm -hmm. james james allen mcpherson's Mm -hmm. uh two collections Uh, those especially elbow room and uh the first one was hue and cry and just because what he was he was kind of against the grain in a way that i like that's not um i don't know he just showed his intelligence in a different way than other like black writers of his time and um and just what he was writing about. I mean, those two books, especially, but he wasn't uh, that weird. He's very real. You know, his stuff was very, very much realistic. Um, so on the other hand, I like stuff or writers like Ishmael Reed who are, and um, you know, satirists that are, aren't afraid to write some crazy stuff. And I don't feel like I'm as crazy as them, you know what I mean? Or not crazy. Sorry. I mean, uh, as bold as they are, but um so I try to mix sort of, cause I really like realism, but I really like with satire, you can kind of make fun of things or say something about the world that, you, that in realism, it can maybe be too heavy handed or too stiff or whatever. So I like to be able to blend those two things together if I can. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's what I was going for, but they're, you know, they're more contemporary writers, uh, like, um nafisa thompson spires i like her Mm. stuff i like how she's funny she's not afraid to be front funny and i like that uh that was that was another thing i was worried about this book is like some of the humor like sometimes people aren't down with humor or they don't pick it up maybe and then uh i mean even me like sometimes i don't get it and then i hear someone read their stuff and it, it is different from me reading it i guess so um yeah but um yeah, I mean, Juno Diaz. I have all—I mean, all mm-hmm. kinds of different uh, influences there. But um, also, uh, oh, what is her name? Barty Mukherjee. She wrote a collection called—I um, think she's passed away now—but she wrote a collection called *The Middleman*. Mm-hmm. And other stories, and then there's a Jim Gavin he wrote middleman and other stories I think yeah. A, yeah yeah I love both of those books so like oh both of god, those there's are... that
1: great uh there's that great story about the the pool repairman in there exactly I love that story. oh man yeah. yeah me too yeah oh god yeah.
2: Um, yeah so I'm a total story head I'm more I probably I mean I've read a lot of novels too but stories stick with me mm-hmm. a bit more I mean I have like a, I just keep I read a lot of stuff online and, and uh, if I, if someone has their paywall down and there's a bunch of stories, I'll just like grab them and throw them (laughs) on my, on my Dropbox and then just read them (laughs) later. So I have a Dropbox (laughs) folder with like tons of stories in there. So um, yeah.
1: I love it.
0: I read an interview with you where you, you were talking about um, that your work used to be more autobiographical and then that wasn't working for you. It was sort of, stunting you. Maybe I'm putting words into your mouth. Um, that's, that's true. (laughs) But I kind of want you to talk about the evolution between, um, it sounds like that was sort of the writing you were doing maybe out just out of your MFA or in your MFA. And then, you know, till now, like what freed you, (laughs) what freed you and, and how, how, how did that evolution occur?
2: So, um, I actually was, when I like, you know, high school, college, and then like my first workshops. And then like, I went to George Mason University for undergrad. And then, you know, I started taking workshops and they just said, hey, you should apply for the MFA. So I went there for my graduate as well. And um, so I was writing just straight off the dome, like imaginative, not based in anything. I, you know, I wanted to make, make things up out of thin air completely back then. Mm-hmm. But then I think I got into... Uh, maybe, I just, I don't know, I guess the, I think I just fell into auto, you know, that's not that writing autobiographical stuff is easy, but there was I was around my family, I was around my brothers, my older brothers, and and I was in graduate school, so I'm, I'm seeing their trials and tribulations, so I started to see, you know, this is around the time like The Wire was out
0: mm-hmm. so
2: you just started to see it, and some of their uh, issues were similar to the characters on The Wire, let's say so I was starting to say like, oh, maybe I could sort of, uh, and like they were so into it, they were like, "You gonna write that story about me?" Are you gonna write you know, <laughs> It was like so. They were like, and I'm like, you know, I was just trying to make it work and trying to make it work, but I was too close to them, so it didn't allow me to be um, creative.
1: Mm-hmm. So it was
2: more like just like it was too factual and too. Maybe now I can. I mean, I think like the first story is very autobiographical, but I, at some point I was able to put enough distance on it um to start making stuff up maybe around like halfway through that story like that's when it um goes off into you know never never land but (laughs) but um but I think so yeah so basically I wrote a novel sort of based on my brother and what he was going through at the time and um and it kind of got a little play from a couple of editors and agents. This is like, oh, five. And, um, <clears throat> and, but it just, it never felt right. And then, you know, so throughout this whole time, I, you know, I got my MFA and I graduated in 2001. I would like really go hard at writing, try and get somewhere, fail, you know, sort of fall back and then kind of regroup, you know, the whole time I'm working and stuff and like, figuring out my life and then i'd go hard again for like four years trying to make some headway to see what happened and then you know fail and then fall back but it was always always there you know i was always trying and trying and, and then um and eventually i found i think what it, what it finally led up to this book is that i had to sort of gather up enough different stories that finally uh use my imagination the way I wanted wanted mm-hmm. it to be used I guess so um some of it I mean that's what I tell younger writers too is like some of it's just like sometimes you just got to wait the right ideas have to come along I mean you can't make it happen necessarily um you know I mean anyone can write like some updike kind of rip off and get it published probably <laughs> you know what i mean but like but uh no please like nobody something... do that
1: <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're I mean, done with that
2: yeah but i mean something totally original that only you could do i mean that's what i was always looking for and eventually you know like even before this book i wrote a novel that was um uh it was just two way out it was just too and that novel was a reaction to the novel that was about my brother that was too realistic, you oh know what I mean? So then, so then I went the other way with it, and then, mm-hmm. and then this book, the this collection, is kind of like the happy medium, and I it's sort of just figuring out how you do your thing, you know what I mean? And uh, I feel like I've figured out um, at least this book and a couple others, but uh, I don't know what that might be it, you know what I mean? As far as I know, you know, so.
0: When you say that's it, do you mean like no more publishing or no more writing?
2: Um, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I'd always try to write. I mean, I'm always going to try to do it, you know, but the um, you know, funny thing about this book coming out, and maybe it's because it came out after, you know, the pandemic and everything and mm-hmm. and going doing the virtual, uh, you know. Book tour and all that. It feels like the book came out a year ago. It's only been three months, you know, oh, and wow. um, and uh, and so in some ways. I always wanted this. This is what I've been working toward my entire life. I feel like all my entire adult life, and now that I've done it, you know, I wish I could be Colson Whitehead or or somebody who's just like knocking you over the head with a book every two years and, and like winning <laughs> prizes over and I over know. again. But he, but like I got to be realistic, and and uh, you know, once you've, I mean, I've only gotten my foot wet in publishing you kind of see behind the curtain. You're like, Whoa, that's not, this isn't what I thought it was going to be, you know, yeah. like mm-hmm. just like my agent was telling me he was saying, uh, anytime we sort of hit a hiccup or whatever, he's like, see, I can't explain this to you until you actually go through it. Cause if I told you all this one, before I send your manuscript out and before we were dealing with an editor or getting, getting uh, notes from other editors or whatever, like I wouldn't, you wouldn't believe, believe me. But you know you had to go through it and then and then uh now that i've gone through it it's sort of like wow i mean i think book i think i mean this is i'm total novice on this but just from studying studying books for so long and seeing how uh the book business has changed it's sort of um i don't know i mean i don't know how i would feel about I mean, it'd be cool to be like Sally Rooney and like to have that kind of like money or something and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But like, I'm sure she has to, well, I don't know. Maybe she doesn't. Seems like she's pulling, she's kind of a shot caller right now, but it seems like uh, someone in that position might have to do all kinds of things I might not want to do. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. What are the uh, things,
0: what are the things you wouldn't want to do?
2: Well, I mean, Just doing a virtual book tour was kind of nerve wracking for me. I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I wouldn't say I'm like shy or anything, but I'm definitely not an in front of people. I'm not a ham really. You know what I mean? I, I like to be sort of lay back in the cut and be behind the scenes and look like in school. I never sat in the front row. I'm all, I was in the back of the row back row kind of kid and and uh i always i don't like people behind me i don't like standing in front of people <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that like i was watching a uh a um uh reading with it was an on uh, recording of a of an event that colson whitehead did at politics and prose like uh mm-hmm before the pandemic and it was like and I've been in, you know I've, I've been in politics and bros a bunch of times and he's just surrounded by people and he just seems oh I'm sure he's ne- I'm sure he's nervous just like anyone else but um, he just seemed very comfortable and the funny thing was it was so weird cuz he he uh he had he was just getting over a cold and he was kind of coughing and there are people like Two feet away from him, and looking back on that, like with COVID, I'm just like, man, that would never happen ever again, you know. Yeah. And um, but just, just you know, having to be, you know, he's on CBS News, he's talking to, you know, sixty Minutes, he's doing all mm-hmm. kinds of that kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I just want somebody to put my books out, you know, what I mean, give me a little bit of money for them, and I can do do my thing. I mean, I don't have to live off of writing. I mean, I just want to have an outlet for it um like this book took a year to sell mm. and um it was out there for like after six months i just i i, I asked my agent um his name is Dan Mandel he uh, i said like I, you know I'm googling like how long does it take for a book to sell a short story collection you know and it's like yeah six months you know the thing I've like I found on Google is like six months and it's kind of over after that so then you know, by then we'd gotten a lot of nice passes and no one said anything like terrible or anything, but I was just like, I was kind of pissed off and, and, and feeling like the publishing industry, you can just kind of see that once I started looking up, I made the mistake of reading all the notes too, even though I probably now I just, I wouldn't look at them, you know, but I would just archive them or something, but just seeing, who the editors were and maybe who they would publish and I'm like man there's not none of these people are my people you know I was just I was just trying to find the right person and and um so I said like it's, it's been six months is this like he's like no nah, we're gonna keep going I'm like all right and he kept sending it out and then like a year a year to the day damn near after he sent it out the first time to a first you know I can't remember how many editors you know, it's sold to Amistad, but like, even then I'm, if he's if he sent to 20 people, like we heard from, I don't know, eight, nine of them, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's just that kind of struggle. You're just like, Oh man, this is.
0: Alex and I are, are, you know, we have been and we are in that same (laughs) sort of thing. And, and, you know, I think it's your agent tries their best to say like, what you can expect, but they don't know, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, I don't think I've ever heard that someone was out on submission for a year and got accepted. I think that's like people are going to hear that and be like, "Well, shit, that sounds awesome," <laughs> you know. Like, let's
2: go. I hope so yeah, you know? I hope so yeah. yeah <laughs> but definitely.
1: that's what's it's so crazy because I, you know, I've had, I'm, I'm still on submission right now, Chris, and I totally understand. Like, you, you want to read meeting into you know, different lengths of time for responses or different types of passes or whatever. And it's just like, none of it means anything until someone buys a book. It's like, nothing means anything at yeah. all. And it's so hard to, it's so hard to internalize that because I completely relate to what you were just saying, where it's just like, well, fuck, how long do I have to wait? Or what does this mean it's like god and it it's like mean anything
0: you know i can remember thinking like if they just give me a chance they mm-hmm. won't be sorry i'll show yeah, them you know like exactly. and you can't you know you're just it's it none of it makes sense none of it there's no formula unfortunately unless you yeah. are a sally rooney you know or a yeah. colson whitehead um it's 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 incredibly frustrating but i mean do you feel like because it was 20 years since your MFA that you got your book published. Um, do you feel like that amount of time sort of mellowed you or, you know, like made you feel more patient or were you actually like chomping at the bit impatient, freaking out?
2: Um, I think it may be more patient, but at the same time I was chomping at the bit too, you know, like, uh, just because I really believed in the book and and um, I was, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you've, you've felt this way too. You're like feeling like you're like fighting against some system that's trying to hold you down or something. And it's like, like you said, if someone just gives me a shot, but at the same time, while this was happening, I was getting these stories published
0: mm-hmm. too
2: by literary journals. Like they're picking them up left and right. And I was just like, like I did I wasn't sending stuff out pretty much that whole time until these stories like nothing was ever right enough for oh, me wow. and uh so um like i remember back in the day where like you know this pre-internet like you had to go to i don't know the library or or uh, Barnes or borders or something and get that big book that had all the literary journals and yes. it was like a big yeah that's how old i am you know what i mean <laughs> so like, <laughs> i can't remember though it was a short story marketplace that's what it's called i think yeah. maybe but um but uh i think i definitely wasn't ready for any of this back you know when i was in my 20s um i i, I was lucky to get a uh a, a fellowship at the Fine Arts work center like right after my mfa program but i was totally like weed head unfocused i mean i was writing don't get me wrong but i was just totally you know i was just smoking a lot of dope and uh and um so I probably didn't use that fellowship even though it showed me a lot and um I got to learn a lot and be around and see how other people you know and and get sort of strength from other people I guess. Um while we were there Jonathan Stafford Ford's editor came mm. and she kind of she did a talk and um and she's and, she, and you know we're all i was like 26 you know there were some other people around that age and and then and then uh she goes he's 23 and she told us his advance everything. and
1: everything we were just we were just
2: we were just so like f this dude like who is this guy <laughs> like you know what i mean like we were just like this is corny you know what i mean and uh and like i wouldn't have been ready for that i mean more power to them, but I wouldn't have been, I'd have been totally, I would have been a mess. You know what I mean? Even before, you know, coming out with this book, I like sort of dropped any sort of vice I had and just (laughs) got focused, you know what I mean? Just so I could be, so I wouldn't uh, screw this up in any sort of way. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a long road, but um, I figured at some point, I was just fine with it. I'm I'm not, I was never going to be some wonder, kid or wonderkind or whatever and and uh once you realize that which is pretty fat you realize it pretty quickly <laughs> then, <laughs> then it's like I just got it at some point I'm just like I'm just gonna live my life and write and see what happens
0: how many novels do you think you've written
2: I've written uh three three
0: and and yeah, one, yeah, of them,
2: yeah.
0: one of them is out on submission right now
2: yeah this is this is the one that that worked Worked. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The first one I held on to for like I don't advise it. You know, some. I mean, I have a friend, uh Salvatore Scabona. He wrote on his. He wrote his first novel. It took him ten years. I held on to mine for like ten years, but it was something wrong with it. and I just I was holding on. You kind of like there's this whole novel idea or the novel game. Like you got to write a novel, so you're just like, well, I got to hold on to this and make it work and make it work. Meanwhile, the thing was never going to go anywhere. And at some point, as soon as uh, my partner and I, we moved out to Portland and uh, Portland, Oregon, in '07 and uh, not long after I got here, I let it go. I finally wow. let the thing go. <laughs> and, wow. and it was just, it was like a monkey off my back, and then finally, you know, and I just and then started looking for other I mean, I was always you know little ideas, little story ideas might come to me and I could get a story up and running. You know, I could, but like my middles sucked and I couldn't follow through. And at some point, I had to just buckle down and like analyze all my favorite stories and then kind of like figure out how the magic tricks are done and then sort of apply it to mine. And then, you know, 10 years later, whatever, long, more than 10 years later, I finally, <laughs> finally knocked one out. So, mm-hmm. but uh, the novel, I felt, I mean, this novel, that's out on submission. It's, uh, it's, um, it's another situation where I'm wondering if I doing the wrong thing or, or something. It's like, I wrote a, like a Portland novel. So, mm-hmm. which is what I wanted to do, but you know, I'm sure New York editors are like, what the fu- a Portland novel? Like who cares about <laughs> Portland? You know, but, but at the same time, uh, and I kind of finished it right before the pandemic hit and then, uh, and did a lot of revising over that summer of 2020 and I felt bad, but I had this uh, book situation already nailed down. So I had a little bit of money to live on and then, and then uh, I could just be in the house, like fixing the novel up and, but um, yeah, I don't know who knows what's going to happen with that. I don't know. Did you, have you read the Danielle uh Lazarin wrote a, wrote an essay on, uh, I think it was lit Hub, and it was about her novel oh just not selling and she's yes. like I'm coming to the realization and yes. like I read that like when that first came out and I was just like damn mm-hmm. like yep. that oh.
0: that came to me at, an, at a very similar moment and right. I I was just thinking I wish I could have this kind of grace and understanding
1: right um but that's a such a
2: great essay too she is it's so, so good yeah yeah so good but um that was I
1: wired with, uh, I don't think I'm wired with that capacity for grace. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think I'm wired for the capacity to harden my heart and just want to take revenge on all those who have wronged me until I <laughs> drop yeah. dead. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well, Chris, how long has it been out on submission?
2: Uh... I don't know, only like a month and a half. Oh, did you have you like another months. eleven months. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like my like my uh when this book sold, my editor or my agent Dan, he was like, Yeah, this was a slow burn. He's like, most of them are gonna be slow burns. I'm just letting you know. And then as soon as like I got my first couple passes i'm like what the fuck man and he's like remember it's a slow burn slow burn i'm like yeah but like you know i've known people that had sold their stuff in a month i know i mean i've been around people uh that got big book deals and that was like one of the first people they told and it was just like didn't your agent just submit it last week what the hell you know right and uh and then like but he said you know this is what it's like and this is how it is so don't you know, I know everyone, everyone wants, you know, to be that big publisher's marketplace story or whatever. Right.
0: We were talking about this. Was it last week? We're like, it's all about just like staying in the game and just staying yeah. and staying and staying or no, I like, guess so it was with Tyler Barton. We were talking about yeah, it.
1: Right. With Tyler, and
0: sure. um, yeah, and your agent's episode. like, Thanks. your agent's like, we're not fucking going anywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah. This guy sounds great. This, and that this, is beautiful. this guy sounds like an amazing guy to have in your corner i feel like no, i uh, feel
2: i feel like just totally lucky that uh i even have just him, him you know what i mean like whoever you know but uh the book this collection took so long at some point i was like maybe i'm just a maybe i, I should be a small press you know mm-hmm. writer or maybe i would be in a better situation that way or you know because at some point i was just like i'll give this i'll give this collection away for like I didn't, you just published it. I don't even pay oh, me, you know, yep. you know, I <laughs> yeah. just wanted it out, you know what right. I mean? And, and, yep. uh, like I have no delusions about like, you know, some huge advance or anything, you know? So.
1: But it is so crazy. I mean, I know you have friends where what I'm about to say is going to be true. And I know it's true of Lindsay as well. It's like so many of these books that, you know, we end up loving when you get to know the the writer or, you know, they become a buddy or maybe you're friends with them at the time, it's like, maybe it'll sell third or fourth round and they had one offer. And then when the thing comes out, it's like, you know, people love it. It'll win an award or it'll have some huge, huge readership or maybe just a dedicated, you know, like passionate readership. But the book was really close to not even existing. And it's like, it really is like some person like, Six, seven, eight months, a year down the road, he was like, Yeah, this is a book. And it's so impossible to stare at the finished product and like reverse engineer that mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. process. But it's it's like again and again, either you know, just with friends or people that Lindsay and I talk to on the show and stay in touch with or whatever, and it, you hear these stories, and it's just like it's almost always something strange, like you're saying, or or unique. It's there's not really a huge amount of patterns to these stories i feel like of, of a book coming into the world
2: yeah yeah i mean i've seen just from friends every kind of situation you know and um um yeah so you never know how it's going to work out yeah. but there is this idea like oh you wrote a collection if you write a novel they're definitely going to buy it you don't have to even <laughs> have to worry you know what i mean oh like, my god
0: how many times have we, we heard that door.
2: yeah i know and it's like you almost want to believe it you know you're mm-hmm. like yeah i don't know but um <laughs> yeah i don't know so i mean i'm just cool with how everything however anything ends up you know what i mean i'm like whatever i mean i wrote the book i wanted to write i liked writing it i like writing you know um i've already written i got another batch of stories and i'm oh, awesome doing i was just and uh, yeah and um so i'm you know I, I just go with my gut feeling. I, I'm a more of a feel person. I'm never like, like I don't plot anything out. I don't do any of that stuff. I just kind of just start at the beginning and just keep my keep it flowing. And when it's not flowing, I stop and start start at the beginning again. and f- uh-huh. try to figure out where I went wrong or or whatever. But uh, yeah, publishing it's interesting. It's just uh, you know, no one tells you that you got to. Keep hustling throughout the whole thing, and you're, just because you're you're published by anyone doesn't mean like they're gonna do anything for you or like uh, <laughs> right. or like arrange all this stuff for you, and like you're just you gotta sit back. Like my whole virtual book thing, I had to do all that, and, mm-hmm. and uh, like when I first when the publicity when they they were great, you know I mean? They get, they got me a lot of uh, attention as far as like uh, media and newspapers and stuff like that, but I don't know how any of this stuff works. So like they go, Oh, uh, Powell's the local bookstore. Powell's, Oh, they want to do an event with you. I'm like, Oh sure. Great. Yeah. And then I'm like, uh, can you get this and this? And I really wanted to be on the Franklin uh, park book, you know, reading series. I'm like, can you give me that? Can you give me that? And I copied my agent and my agent called me like, in five minutes he's like they're not going to do any of that
0: oh. like you
2: you got your agent go
0: is your agent is a <laughs> <fucking> legend
2: okay <laughs> which i'm fine with but like let me know this ahead of time you know what i mean and uh but the publicity people um are were awesome you know what i mean now i know that's the deal i'm just like whatever but then the trippy part is you're like well i got this book out so like they're every bookstore is gonna like want me right i got i was getting rejected from Virtual book events. I'm like, this isn't costing you anything. I'm getting rejected. Like, even politics and prose, you know, like I grew up in that, you know, I grew up going to that bookstore. I'm like, they rejected me. I'm like, damn. Oh my (laughs) God. (laughs) So you just like, I mean, but they have like big, you know, they got really big, you know, political books and nonfiction stuff. So I totally got it. But I was like, man, this rejection stuff never ends. Even just like trying to like do some goofy, virtual you know book thing is yeah don't they
0: don't even have to it set up book. chairs yeah <laughs> yeah I know yeah. right <laughs> oh it's impossible oh, but it is funny because I feel like we all tell ourselves even now I tell myself if I, all I need is the book to be published that's it right but that's not it because then there's everything after that you know like yeah. there's like all the stuff you were just talking about but then there's also like the work never stops like you have to just do more work after that you know (laughs)
2: right and then comparing (laughs) yourself to other people like I was I'd see people uh you know with a collection out to or about to come out and they're and then I'm looking to see like they're getting like advanced press and then I look I'm like this book is not coming out for six months how come they're getting all this I mean not even under the same publisher or anything I'm like man what is going on why that but you know it's just it's so random why they latch onto this book and not that book. Like uh, my partner, she was reading uh, Shuggy Bane. Mm-hmm. And I looked into, I haven't read the book, but I was looking into that book and apparently no one talked about that book that much and then it won the booker and then everyone was all over it from what I read. I don't know if that's true or not, but um, so it's just like random. Did it, did it win the book? Yeah, it won the booker, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. but it's sort of random why one book takes off and then another another book just just as good gets no doesn't get the same kind of press or whatever you know i don't know it really
0: is it sometimes it does feel like they're they all like sit like at a big lunch and they pass a hat around the table and they put names in and then someone picks a name out and they're like okay this is who's gonna be
2: right yeah like this, this, is, who, gonna this is gonna be the next next big thing like <laughs> yeah. no offense to sally rooney but what you know i know she's young and don't get me wrong she's smart and talented but like why her and not I know, man. I know. someone else? And why not, you know, once you, that's why I try not to keep it uh, up on book stuff too much. And I kind of just dip my foot into Twitter and jump out real fast. Like I'll mm-hmm. tweet like once every once a month or something, but, but um, just no, I know it, knowing too much about what people are doing kind of takes me out of my own head, I guess sometimes. So I like, I felt like I had to do everything like Instagram and Twitter Mm -hmm. and stay, you know, with the book out. But then now that you have your like little month and a half run, and then you kind of like can recede a little bit. It's been Mm -hmm. good to get away from social media and, uh, and kind of just get back to being in my own head. But. um,
0: I watched this whole video that someone sent me about how. um, Like the gaslighting that happens in the publishing industry. And one of the things that it was talking about was how they'll make you feel like you have to have a really big social media presence.
1: Right. Um,
0: but that actually doesn't help you sell books.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. I could, I could see that, you know, cause it's not like all of a sudden, because like uh, I had a private Instagram I was more, I'm more of an Instagram person than Twitter. But um, so I had a private in- Instagram and, and one of our first publicity meetings, they're like, would you mind going public? I was like, sure, whatever. And then, uh, you know, I think I got like I don't know, hundred more followers maybe. if, if that. And yeah, I know. I don't even know how many. I don't even know how many I had before that. You know what I mean? But it's not like some people like. Um, some people have a lot of followers. I'm like, why do they have so many? But they've probably been on Instagram since the beginning. I, I'm pretty late to social media anyway. So, but uh, yeah, it's just it's just weird though. How random all of this stuff is. Like mm-hmm. uh, that one episode you did with Adam. Is it O'Fallon Price? Yeah, Adam Price, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was saying uh, how he went to New York and he's just sitting in the lobby and he sees mm-hmm. that thing with the carousel or something. In his that was book. the
1: best, yeah,
2: yeah. So I'm like <laughs> by then I was already kind of dealing with this stuff. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I totally know where he's going, coming from. or like uh, J. Robert Lennon, where he said when he switched to Gray Wolf. He didn't know who would read his book when I mean, he was on the big publishers. And then he switched. I mean, not that Grey Wolf isn't big, but then he switched to Grey Wolf. He's like, everyone read your book at Grey right. Wolf.
1: Yep. Right. And That's I mean, I'd whole love whole to project. be in that position. Oh, God. Yeah, damn. I'd
2: love to be in that situation.
1: But, um, absolutely.
0: Attention, Grey Wolf. That's yeah, great. exactly. <laughs> you got three authors right here. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I mean, but Chris, really, back to this book, you wrote a great book. And- for anybody listening who's a huge short story fan and like I am, it, it's and you know, Chris, obviously, and you, Lindsay, it's just like, this book is really a book you need to pick up Chris's book uh, because so often you, you know, these short story collections are just cobbled around some bullshit theme. It's like, <laughs> they're all coming of age um, stories or they're all whatever the fuck. And it's nonsense. <laughs> and these are, these, these are great stories and story to story, you're, you're surprised and it's exactly the kind of thing I want as a reader. So I just, I really wanted to say that emphatically, like this is a book you should pick up if you love short stories.
0: Absolutely.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm
1: glad you liked it. <laughs> yeah, man, definitely.
0: It's, it's very exciting for us when we find something that, um, I don't know, that thrills us in this way. Um, I know I'm speaking for Alex, but I I know he agrees. It's it's just alive. It's a very alive book. And uh people should get it. Give my love to the savages is the name of the book. And also give my love to the savages, just in general.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Chris, for being on. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, this is a dream. Yeah, thank you. This is this is great having you on, Chris. Thank you. Cool.
0: Chris, we will not see you on social media.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> we're all going to be, we're all going to be hanging back. We're all going to be just. Oh, okay. Yeah. We, yeah. Don't,
0: we don't need it. Okay. We don't. Need right. it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day we can all do a, pol- a politics and prose event.
2: There
1: we yeah, go. That would be dope. We'll yeah, Let's it. make it there happen. There you go. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Did I go too over the top? I mean, I meant it. I really love this book.
0: No, no. And okay. I'm so excited because um, the way you were talking about it in the beginning and then the way you brought it back again at the end, the, like, I think people are going to be. So I, like, I think people listen to us when we talk about books we like. And so I think people are going to yeah. be excited about this book.
1: Um, it's funny. The, the name that I, I kept thinking of and I, and I said it to Chris was Brad Watson, who's a hero of mine, but his first book came out when he was 45. A collection of oh. stories oh cool um yeah last days of the dogman and he was a guy who you know he worked at newspapers he was a roofer he did all sorts of different things but he he started publishing seriously later in life and uh he wrote probably my favorite story collection aliens in the prime of their lives and um i there's there's a lot of similarity between chris's approach to stories and and brad's in that a lot of uh, Brad's stories were would start with an autobiographical kernel and then just explode outward. And he also was a writer who just had a, a real understanding and appreciation for American voices and place. And but yet wasn't really a regional writer, even though he's often described as a Southern writer. And I think that that kind of hard to pin downness, but also just like just like absolute authenticity as you're reading the work is something that chris's book has and um yeah just a just a really great book isn't it
0: i mean alex texted me and said this book is all caps up to something yeah and i think that's the highest praise that we can give on i'm Mm -hmm. a writer but yes um i will say that um ben was reading that interview that i I referenced earlier Mm -hmm. and he just started laughing like like he just bust out laughing and i was like what and he said there's a story in the book where this black republican starts turning white in the shape of of states and congressional districts <laughs> and it's like those kinds of those kinds of setups are what you can look forward to yeah. when you read this book
1: and then just also like kind of like down to earth funny like realism like there's the story where the guy gets involved with like uh, a couple, like trying to recruit him into like a, a throuple basically. <laughs> I, I love that story because you're like going through it and you're like, what the fuck is this? And then it's like, <laughs> it's like this kind of like, uh, it's just very, the, the stories are surprising in a way that I, and, and funny in a way I really appreciate it. And I think it it kind of came through in the way Chris was he just you know he he was he was sharp and he was funny but it was like it it snuck up on you in a great way,
0: and I would recommend listening to it on Audible if you can because the guy who reads it once again, I'm calling him the guy who reads it because I'm an idiot but he's so so good and really yeah like just a pleasure to listen to.
1: That's awesome.
0: So that was fantastic.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad he came on.
0: Me too. Um, what else? I read The Fourth Child by Jessica Winter. I loved it. It was...
1: Why is that so familiar? Is that book everywhere right now?
0: Uh, It came out over the summer. She's a New Yorker. She's an editor at The New Yorker. It's her second novel. And um, it just gets inside the characters' minds in a way that I've never seen before. Hmm. Um, It makes jumps you know, like, like you would in your own mind, um, and like jumps in time even. So it's kind of like, it's all of a sudden it's like, so anyway, she was pregnant or whatever. like, it's, it, Hmm. it just, it acts like a human mind and, um, there it's told from different perspectives, but it, it's just, I, I have never encountered a voice like that before. And I was, I was stunned. I think, um, Isaac Butler just talked about it on his podcast.